Thank you for listening to the Grace Harvest Church podcast. For more information, go to graceharvestchurch.org. ...that we're going to have with uh, myself and Pastor Drew and Pastor Doug is um, walking with the Lord in 2021. Um, I feel like this year has been a little wild, <laughs> to say the least, and um, I think that can really inform and kind of even bring a filter with how you've walked with the Lord and then how you're going to walk with the Lord in 2021. And so we thought it would be an amazing opportunity just to have a conversation and to kind of talk about that. Um, if you have a question, um, um, please, you can text that number and I'll get it right here on my iPad. And then we'll, um, we'll begin to answer a few of those. Um, I do have a seed question, though, for, for Pastor Drew and Pastor Doug to kind of just kick it off. But feel free to message whenever, whenever you want to. Um, and how about, yeah, let's pray. That's a great place to start, right? <laughs> Lord, I, uh, I thank you for, Lord, for the opportunity to be able to do this. Lord, I, I pray that during this conversation that, Lord, your life and your spirit and your presence, Lord, would just be in it, Lord. And that, Lord, even after the first service of doing this, Lord, there was so much wisdom gleaned and conviction and, and even just an ability or a desire to even draw closer to you. So, Lord, I pray that just your presence would be here in this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, so seed question that kind of kick us off. Um, and Pastor Drew or Pastor Doug, you can answer this. Whoever wants to answer first. Um, what, was, what, was, what has 2020 highlighted in your walk with the Lord? Wow. Doug, is, he's making me go first every time. I'm not sure why. But <laughs> so, he can, um, so it's... It's been a, obviously a really weird year for everybody, um, and I'm sure people are getting tired of hearing that, but anyway, it's true. So, but it was, it was a very different year for uh, my wife and our family because we had a sabbatical during the middle of, of this pandemic, and so we had, we had three months off of ministry, and um, so yeah, we took June, July, and August off, and um, that is a really, one, that's a really long time to not be working. Um, if it, That sounds like a great time to have, like, wow, three months vacation. But the truth is, I think for most of us, it's actually really hard. At some point, you're going to get really sick of not doing stuff. Um, some, some people, that's faster than others. But, um, you know, I found out that I get really sick of not doing stuff really quick. And, um, and it's easy in ministry. And there's probably a lot of other um, guys out there. Maybe it's more difficult for... Men than it is women, I'm not sure, but you get really wrapped into what you do for a living. Um, this is what I do. I drive truck, or I build houses, or and it's just like part of your identity. And, uh, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's a bad thing when it overshadows um, who you are in Jesus. And so even as a pastor, that's not who I am first. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a pastor first. I'm not a musician first. I'm actually just a son first. Um, and so... That, that was something that the Lord kind of, in, in really 
um, in difficult ways, you know, kind of stripped some of those things away because um, I'm not a pastor first and I'm not a worship leader first. I'm his son first. And so kind of bringing that thing back into balance, which was really good, but also hard. Um, so yeah, that was definitely for me a personal thing, but yeah. I'm going to answer similar to the way I did in the first service, and that is, for me, I, I really had to, um, ha- had to learn how to keep my eyes on Jesus and to keep my heart set on the goal and the purpose of why I was created and why I live, because this has been a year with so many voices, right? And we know that there have been voices politically, there have been voices around COVID-19, there have been voices around all of the things happening societally, race issues, and all of these things cause so much conflict and many, many uh, differing opinions, lots of anger, lots of invective. And in the midst of all of that happening, it's super easy to even start your day. Like I, I would find sometimes I would get up in the morning and I would pick up my phone and I would go to the news or I would go to, you know, different sites that I read. And I, I felt, you know, eventually like the Holy Spirit was like, what are you doing? You know, you need to look at me first. You need to come get in my news first. You need to get before me. And all year long for me, I found out how easy it was to be distracted and pulled away and to get caught up in the tension and the conflict of the time we live. And instead, I, I, and I found every time without, without fail, every time I would stop and set that stuff aside and I would read Scripture, and I would pray, and maybe go take a walk somewhere. I, there's a road I go down out by some farmer's fields. They've given me permission to walk their fields. I'd just go out there, and I'd walk that road, and I would pray. Every time that would happen, I would start to see clearly again. I would get clarity, and I would get focus, and the Holy Spirit would begin to speak to me and remind me of why He created me, why I'm here, and what's really important. And so I, I think that's what I learned about myself. And I know that I'm just like you, so I think all of us in this room probably battled at times with uh, being pulled here and there and everywhere and uh, needing time with God. Just my need, my absolute necessity, my life breath is that I be with Him and I know Him. Yeah. Amen. Um, another question that came in um, it says, um, as division has come, really come into the world in 2020 and will be here in 2021, um, how can we all pull together in our purpose and, purpose and have revival right now? Oh, yeah, you start. You do it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> hey, hey, I just asked questions here, man. <laughs> um, it was a similar, it was a similar um, answer or question actually in first service, and um, it's something that's been a little bit of a revelation to me. in In this last year was, um, and this has been said. This isn't me. This has been said, but somebody said that um, people are not the enemy, but they're the mission. And um, people are not the enemy; they're the mission. And when you're a Christian, um, that is like the truest statement of who Jesus is. And right now, man, it's really, really easy to dislike a group of people or somebody else because they don't believe like you don't believe. That's literally the point of Jesus. Um, when you look in, in like when he came in the Jewish culture, 
Um, Jews and Gentiles were completely separate, completely disliked each other. Jews wouldn't even go into Gentiles' houses because they thought they were going to get dirty. Um, like, it was intense, and Jesus came in the midst of that to bridge both of those people. And so now we have this similar thing that's it's always happening. Jesus is the great unifier. And so I think for us, it is, as Christians, people are a mission. And those people that are different from us and think different than you and vote different than you and believe different than you, they are the people that Jesus died for. Just like you. Literally just like you. And so for us, man, we need to, I think, maybe in 2021, be reminded of our mission in Jesus. That, man, we are supposed to be the grace and the truth bearers and really the love and the hands and feet of Jesus to this world. Ditto. Uh, <laughs> uh, I guess for me, when I'm, when I'm thinking about our church family, you know, and, um, and maybe on a smaller scope, I, I to, to accomplish revival, I guess I think that's what that question is talking about, um, really similar vein is that we have to major on the major things. Um, there's so many different opinions about so many different things in this room. I don't know how many people are in here, but... Um, it would be an absolute mess if uh, maybe if I was like, hey, do you like this worship song? And there would be so many different opinions. It would be absolutely crazy. Um, and so as followers of Christ in, in a really divisive time, uh, divisive politically and among a whole a lot of other things, um, we have to major on the major things when it comes to Jesus. He's God, the, his death, burial, resurrection, the, the moving of the Holy Spirit. And a lot of those other things um, we need to walk and, and just bear with love um, people that disagree with you and, um, and focus on really, I think, what, what Noah was talking about, and, and that is our mission and our goal. So. Amen. I would add to that uh, the idea, um, I, I was talking with a person between services, actually, and we were talking about a divisive issue. Uh, he brought it up. I just want to say that. He brought it up, and uh, he was asking me my opinion on it. And uh, when, when we got done, I said this to him. I said, you know, you and I may disagree on this or a number of other issues, but the real issue, because I said that the truth is, is like in this room here, there's a lot of division. Even Jesus said this. This is a profound statement in Luke's gospel. He said, do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth, but rather a sword. Um, for this time on, a man's, uh, man will be divided with those of his own household. Was Jesus saying that he was into dividing? No, what he was saying is, is just his presence coming into the world. When Jesus Christ came on the scene and brought the gospel and, and brought another kingdom that clashed with the kingdom of the age that he lived... Just by virtue of his presence and that good news, that message, and that kingdom, there would be division. And people would choose sides, and we know what happened. Some people followed him, some people resisted him, and we know that ultimately he paid the price of being crucified because he didn't go along with any of the groups, right? He maintained who he was. He's the Son of God, the Messiah, and it was necessary for him to come and, and, and die. And so I said to this guy, I said, you know, the bottom line is, is we might divide over these issues, but it should never bring us to division over our relationship because our relationship and our fellowship is in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ must be the ultimate dividing line. 
He has to be nothing else. He must be the ultimate dividing line. And so I think that that's really important. The other thing is about revival. I'll just say this. Every revival in history is always preceded by repentance. And repentance means that you turn away from sin in your own way and your own way of thinking, and you change your mind and you turn toward God and His way of thinking. That's repentance. And for repentance to happen, the interesting thing is, is when Jesus addresses repentance and the apostles address repentance in the New Testament, they don't get into what's going on out there. They don't get into that. In fact, the apostle Paul instructed us, he said, you know, we don't judge the world. He said that. Basically, God's going to do that. We judge ourselves and what we're doing in the house. Judgment begins in the house of God. And so the idea is, is that all of us, I, I've been finding myself asking this question, um, what, what do I need to change? You know, what do I need to, to look at in my own life? What is God saying to me? What needs to change? Before I'm going to ever be effective at changing anything in the world out there, what needs to change right here? Where do I need to repent in my thinking? And so I think that's really important. I think revival begins with us not saying what is going on out there that's so evil and so bad and we all need to go after it. But I think ultimately it begins with us saying what's going on in here that's opposing God's rule and God's kingdom and what do you want to change in me, Lord? Um, another question is um, how do you walk with the Lord like personally, how do you guys personally walk with the Lord during uncertain or difficult times? Like, how does that look? I mean, for me, it's um, it's it's the same uh, because I I am very much into consistency. Um, that doesn't mean that I won't I won't pray more or or anything like that. But um, the truth is, is that. We're never guaranteed that things aren't going to be shaking around us. Like, we're never guaranteed that life is actually going to be good, um, that, you know, 2021 is going to be good. Um, we came into 2020, and, you know, it was like 2020 vision, and this is my year and all that stuff, and, and here we are, <laughs> you know. Um, we don't know what t tomorrow looks like. We don't know what the, the season of life that we're going to find us in. And so for me, the only thing that I can do is just do the consistent disciplines of, of reading the scripture, of praying, and, um, and just doing those things even when I don't feel like it, um, even when it is a tough season, just knowing that this is a lot of times the only thing that um, I have control of is my prayer life or reading or you know, that, that devotional time that I have, because a lot of other things can get out of our control really, really easy. And so for me, it's just, it's just consistency and, and keep doing the things that you know to do, even if you don't want to do it. And even if it doesn't feel right, um, do the right thing. The uh, two great commandments are love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And uh, so when I think about what it means to walk with God, it's going to always be that intersection point, right? That's the cross. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so in learning how to do that, I, I'm, I'm assessing my life. This is walking with God. I'm assessing my life because I know that how can I say I love God if I love not my neighbor, right? We, we learned that in First John. So are my neighbor relationships right? And if my neighbor relationships aren't right, it's going to be hard for me to walk with God and hear Him. 
And so I'm going to endeavor in my life to keep my neighbor relationships right so that I can keep my vertical relationship right with God. And so that's a part of it as well. Where are you in your standing in community? Um, I don't know what it is. It's, it's really difficult sometimes, but I find that we as Christians, we, we, the second part, we really have difficulty with, right? We love God. We say we love God. And then, but then when it comes to loving our neighbor, that's where the rubber meets the road. Because it's easy to say, I love God, right? Because there's no way to really prove it. Except the New Testament seems to indicate that the way you show that you love God is by loving your neighbor, which is really interesting. So the two are always interchangeably linked together. And so I have to ask myself those questions. I have to take those neighbor checks, you know. Neighbor, you know, how, how am I with my neighbors? And, uh, and am I doing? Now, I can't control what another person does. I have no control over that whatsoever. But I do have my part, right? And the Scripture says, as much as depends on you, be at peace with all men. So as much as depends on me, that's from the book of Hebrews, as much as depends on me, be at peace with everybody that's in my life. Now, if I do my part, and they're not for peace, but for war, David says that in the book of Psalms, um, I, tr- I, I, I seek for peace, but they are for war. Then there's nothing you can do at that point. You have to commit people to God. But, it, but if I've done what I can do to keep those relationships right, I'll walk with God. Amen. That really leads into, I've, I've got a few questions like this. Um, and it really is, it really just even shows division. And it says, uh, you know, how do you embrace someone? Um, that's a part of the LGBTQ community. And I think that as Christians right now, man, this is a question that if you have not settled in your heart, it's something that you really need to go to the Lord with. Um, how do we deal with people that believe differently than think differently than us? Um, specifically, the LGBTQ community, how do you embrace someone like that as a Christian? <laughs> It's my turn. Um, I think probably this church has done a very, very excellent job of taking care of people of that community um, over the years. It has been something that I've been very, very proud of in terms of um, we've done a really good job at loving people that even believe differently than us. And probably one of the biggest revelations I've ever had is they're just people. And sometimes when you're not around people that are homosexual or stuff like that, sometimes you, there's this weird distancing that happens in your brain. But it really is, it's like anti-Jesus to the max. Because they're just people that are wrestling with their own thing, that are going walking through their own life. And what they really, really need is an encounter with God, just like I do. And so a lot of times there is this huge emphasis on this one particular sin, and then there's a brushing aside of other sins, Right? And for me, it was this thing where I was like, I have sin in my life, just like this person has sin in their life, and both of us are on this journey to become more like Jesus. In the moment that you begin to treat anyone differently, you've done something wrong. It's not about treating them differently. It's about treating them how Jesus would treat them. It's not about that they believe differently, and you're like, oh, I can't be around them, or I know that they're doing this, and I can't be around them. That's the point. You are a Christian. You are supposed to be Jesus on this earth. And so when you see people that are an obvious need of his presence and of his grace, you go to that person. You do embrace them. You do not reject them. You'd be like, come, come alongside. 
And the thing that always disturbs me is I, there, you know how the scripture disturbs you sometimes? Or you're like, I wish I didn't read that. <laughs> there's, a, there's a line in there that I always think is Jesus, friend of sinners. And I think of that line a lot where it wasn't like he was a friend of a Christian and then he, if, and sinners had known, but they knew him because he was with them. And, they, and he obviously knew that they were doing a thousand wrong things. He was a friend of sinners. And so I think for us, for Jesus, or as Jesus followers, that's the whole point. That if you're in this room and you came through these doors, we would embrace you as Jesus would embrace you. Knowing that, no, you're not doing everything right. I'm not doing everything right. Are you kidding me? But knowing that and along the journey of walking with Jesus, you begin to change. And something begins to happen to your heart and to your mind. So embrace them. <laughs> Love them. Love them. Yeah. Yeah, that's what, obviously, there, it's a, there's so many different layers, and it's very difficult to answer um, some of those questions in just a really short amount of time. But, you know, how do we embrace people like that? With a hug, maybe, you know, <laughs> a hug. How are you doing today? How you would approach any other uh, Christian in your life? Um, the, the truth is, is that you know, from a pastoral perspective, um, we can't change you. Did you know that? <laughs> I, I don't know if you know that, but we actually do not, we cannot change you. Um, if you can't change people, um, if you've been married, you probably understand that. Um, and if you don't, let me give you some advice for 2021. You probably can't change that person the way that you want to. And so our first, our, our first like foot forward and approach is, is love and um, what I think is let the Holy Spirit do his job. Let the Holy Spirit, because that's what we do as pastors with everybody. We can't make you change. We can't make you do the right thing. Um, we can, of course, you know, challenge you and correct you. Be like, oh, that was, that was kind of messed up, man. But we can't follow you around and say, you know, and, and literally stop your hand from doing the thing that you're doing. And that's, that's the Holy Spirit's job. And so that, that's my approach in, in anything. It doesn't matter what it is, is to, is to, you know, love. And first, that's just like the first thing is just everything covered in love. And then pray, correct where there needs to be correction. And then let the Holy Spirit do its job. And I think that's what, would, you know, Noah brought up is like, they're just like anyone else. They need an encounter with the living God. Just like everybody in this room, <laughs> we, just like Pastor Doug and just like Noah, we need an encounter with the living God that he can change us from the inside out. Because the truth is, is change is very, very difficult in your own power and your own strength. These guys have both killed it with their answers. And I'm only going to add one little short part, and that is that when Jesus is being described in the first chapter of John, it's describing that he's God in the flesh and that he's come and that he is the word made flesh, the word embodied, right? God in a bod, as we always say. Um, one of the things that goes on to say about him is he is full of grace and truth. It's both, right? And I've noticed in the body of Christ uh, and, and in human personalities often, you have truth people and you have grace people. And learning how to live the life that is both can be really difficult, but that's what we're called to. There's some people that are like, I'm just going to speak the truth. I don't care how it offends people. And the first thing I have to say about that is that's not biblical. 
You don't just speak the truth and not care if it, if, how it offends people or how it comes across or the package that it's wrapped in. That's not biblical. The Scripture says that we should be full of grace and truth. And so I have to have the ability to deliver truth in a way that's gracious and that's kind and shows favor, right? Now, there are instances in life when people can't hear anything but a blunt force instrument. I understand that. But that's usually for the very stubborn and resistant, okay? And it's rare, very rare. And the truth is, is that we, we bring truth. It, it doesn't change the truth. It doesn't change the truth of what Scripture says about God's plan for humanity, about human sexuality, about any of those things. It doesn't change any of that. But we are still to love people and show grace to people and favor to people in Jesus Christ because that's what God did for us, and that's how God looks at the world. And God came after sinners of whom I am chief. That's what Paul said, and I can join him in that confession. I am the chief of sinners. I'm right there with you, Paul. And if not for the grace of God, there go I into a thousand million different behaviors that I would be ashamed of. So, amen. Grace and truth. Um, going into 2021, this is a really good, um, hey, this is a really good question. Um, just for our, even our own community, um, Someone said, is it a good idea to give money to homeless people on street corners? Um, it's a really good question because it's really, really relevant um, to Moses Lake community. Um, anyone, anyone, like, grew up here when you, when you remember when Walmart was being built? Raise your hand. Right? Yeah. And that's me, too. And so you have, like, this longevity or maybe before. We don't, we are such a small town, we haven't really wrestled with these types of things. I still get annoyed because I've been from Moses Lake for, I've lived in Moses Lake for so long. I still get annoyed when there's traffic. I'm like, what are all these people doing here? You know, you're going over the fill and I'm like, who are these people? Like, I've never had to stop anywhere, you know? And it's one of those things too where we've had, we've had to deal with a, a degree of homeless, a homeless population, but as our city has grown, as industry has come in, there is an increase of homelessness in it. And so I think that this question is really, really relevant because it's the question that I'm asking myself is, as a Christian in Moses Lake, what do I do with the person as I'm stopped in my car and I'm looking at them? There's a homeless camp right down here. And they're, you know, they're coming to the church and they, they've always come into the church throughout the week. But even for us, it's been the conversation of what do we do? You know, and, and how do we treat people? Um, do one of you guys want to answer? It's an ironic question because this morning, you know, I come down here in the mornings uh, early uh, before, and then I go home and get ready for church. And so I was down here this morning, and just as I was leaving, a homeless guy was out front. It was about 7 a.m., and he was wanting money. He said he got kicked out of the camp, and uh, he got kicked out of the camp because the guy that was uh, the security guard there um, didn't like him and made him mad, he made him mad, and so he kicked him out of there. And he asked me, can, I, can you give me 10 bucks for some cigarettes? And, uh, and I had a moment to decide, and I decided at that moment that I was not going to give him 10 bucks for cigarettes. Um, and this really brings me down, and, and, and the reason I bring that up is because there are times when I will give somebody cash, and there are times when I won't. And so I think that questions like this are really difficult to answer with, a, with an across-the-board principle. Um, because, you know, if you listen, if you take Jesus at His Word in the New Testament and the Gospels, you know what Jesus said? Don't refuse anyone who asks you. 
That's what it says. Jesus said that. And there's no qualifier. He doesn't say, unless they're homeless, unless you think they're a meth addict, unless whatever the reason may be, he doesn't qualify it. He says, give to everyone who asks. Whoa, what the heck, right? So then we see the principle in the New Testament of being spirit-led, right? And so I, I guess what I would say is, you know, really the, the, what it comes down to often is, is actually um, stopping your car, getting out, and, and trying to assess the real need. And sometimes you just have to spend time with people and talk to them and assess their real need. And what I like to find out is, are you hungry? Okay, I'll take you right now. And I've done this many times. Let's go get you a bite to eat. Take them down the street, get them a bite to eat, and we've met the need without giving cash that maybe goes toward, toward meth or, or alcohol or something else, right? And so, it really, you have to be led by the Holy Spirit on a given day at a given time and, uh, and, and trust the Lord to lead you in every circumstance. This is ironic because, let's see, two weeks ago, mm-hmm. I gave someone 10 bucks in the parking lot for probably cigarettes. So, anyway, <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> so, because I felt like I should. And that, that's, I, there's times where I don't. I, I probably, I see the same people that you guys do all the time. And, um, and I, I just, you know, however you want to call it, it's a discipline. It's, it's a thing that you just do. And I'm like, yeah, I just, I'm not there right now. But, you know, I was there a couple weeks ago. And I just felt like, you know, this dude needs something that I really can't, I can't fix this person right now for sure. And so I told him what I always try to do is, is you know, is meet whatever need I can right there in the moment if I can. And then just honestly, um, where's Brandy at? And then send him to Brandy. <laughs> no, but, but, but for us, that is our process on, on how to actually help people. Because I know that in what I can do is not what we can do as a church family and what we can do as a, a community. And so I agree. I, I, I don't think that there is a should you or shouldn't you ask the Holy Spirit if you should and practice listening and practice, you know, yeah, practice what we preach here all the time, and that is listen and be led by the Holy Spirit. And kind of something really even just practical um, that I have found of just working, you just working here at the church, um, homeless people will just walk in. And um, the most powerful thing I've ever done wasn't fill up a gas tank, which I have done, or taken the food or given the money. Probably one of the most powerful things I've ever done is sit down and I give them my time. Because what's worse, I think what's the worst for all of us is when we're not seen. And we believe that we, we don't even matter to be seen. And the times that I think I've actually had impact on people is when I've sat them in the cafe, given them a water bottle, and they're, I'm like, tell me about your life. Almost 100% of the time, they will start sobbing and crying. And they'll talk for like 30 minutes straight. They have a thousand words because no one listens to them. They listen and cried. And then, I, and then I'm like, let me pray for you. Pray for them. And they're like, I haven't talked to anyone like this in years. And so I think as Christians, I think to be able to give people your time, that's not underrated. That's everything to somebody. Think of the moment where you needed something. The biggest thing you needed from someone was their time. Not 10 bucks, not a meal. The thing that you needed was life from Jesus in that conversation, that Holy Spirit conversation. That's what you needed. So I'd even encourage you or challenge you. That the next time that happens, to be like, okay, Lord, here's, a, here, here's some food, here's some water. 
Tell me about your life and see what the Lord does. And then pray for them and send them on their way. Uh, that's good. <laughs> um, let me see. There's another question that came in. How will you, let me see if I can find it. How will you pour into your, how will you pour love um, into your family this upcoming year? In 2021, how will you, yeah, pour love or into your family or invest into your family in this coming year? I shared this in the first service as well. Um, get better at listening to them. I've been seeing how powerful the gift of listening is uh, in my own life, that, that my wife needs to have me engage her and listen to her when she's speaking to me, not just hear her words, but actually hear her heart and give her the opportunity to actually speak out those things that are inside of her. And the same with my, my adult uh, children and grandchildren, the, the gift of listening, engagement, actually... Um, Showing that what they have to say, when you, when you listen to somebody, it validates them, right? It, it gives them value, and uh, very similar to what you just said. Um, and so that's what I think is a really, really powerful practice. Um, and I'm, you know what I mean by listening. I don't mean listening so that you can get a, a word in, right? So you're like, you're just waiting for the pause, and the, uh, uh, you know, you're waiting to get in there. I don't mean that kind of listening. I mean actually just listening and, and hearing the heart, hearing uh, what's, what's coming through the words. Um, I've found on a number of occasions with my own children that sometimes they just need to vent. You know, one of the things this last year has really done is it's, it's caused a lot of people to be sitting in their homes and in their lives all pent up with frustration and anger and the news and everything. It's just, and so what happens is, is people don't have healthy relationships where they can get that stuff out and the person won't take it personally. The person will just listen, right? So I've had a couple of conversations with family members where I'm just listening and, and I want to say stuff, but I don't. I just let them get it out. And they get it out and it's like, oh man, this feels so much better. And you can tell the rest of the day there's lev levity and there's joy and there's good relationship because they got to get it out. So... I think that's really a powerful way to say I love you and your family is to listen well. Yeah, that's really good. Um, I think for, for myself and our family, um, we've got four little kids. And one thing that um, we, you know, I've been at home a lot uh, this, <laughs> this season. And, um, you know, one thing that I'm realizing is that they're all, they're, they're young, but they're, they're individuals. And they need different things from me. And, and so that, that kind of looks, it just looks different from, from all of them. Our house is really, it's chaotic and noisy if you've ever um, been there and uh, with the kids there. And it's just wild all the time. And there isn't really a lot of downtime. And, you know, I'm noticing in some, some of my kids that that really is not their personality. Um, if you're an introvert, that's kind of a weird place to find yourself in you know, is loud noise, constant things happening. And so I think for me, it's just this, you know, this awareness and this revelation that, um, that they need different things. And, um, and so even just that, my wife has probably known that for a very long time because she's around them so much. But for me, it's like, instead of worrying about my time, my personal time so much, um, but sewing into them 
And, uh, you know, that, that is in the scripture, the idea of, you know, if you refresh someone, you will be refreshed. And so to not be so, I really like my downtime, and it's like my time. And so, um, yeah, just, just more of my, myself in their lives. And, um, and I think for even our, my, my wife and I's relationship, you know, is really pushing her to do the things that she's passionate about. Um, and, and I know that sounds really basic, right? You're like, those are really basic things, but, but it's just, uh, it's, it's one of those things where I feel like if I can say this right, the best version of herself is going to be the version that I encourage. And then I'm like, do the things that you're passionate about, do the things that you're good at. Um, even if I don't really, I don't really care or, or whatever, right? You're like, I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to fake it until I make it, right? No, <laughs> no, I'm going to value it because she values it. And so I'm going to, you know, help her do the things that she is passionate about and that she wants to do. So, yeah. I thought he said, you want to close? You want to do your ramble? But he, he didn't say ramble. He said wrap up. So I wanted to share um, a little list with you real quick called 10 Things to Consider for the New Year in your own walk with Christ. And uh, it's going to be really quick. This won't take very long. But um, I will, we'll make this available probably on Facebook or something this week. It's by a guy named Justin Taylor. And he gives... Uh, Ten things. He says, the beginning of a new year is an ideal time to stop, look up, and get our bearings. To that end, here are some questions to ask prayerfully in the presence of God. So here are some questions to consider. And maybe what you could do is take even one of these today and make it a prayer for you in this new year. So the first thing is this. What's one thing you could do this year to increase your enjoyment of God? Isn't that an interesting question? What is one thing that you could do this year to increase your enjoyment of God? Think about that one. Secondly, what's the most humanly impossible thing you will ask God to do this year? What's the most humanly impossible thing you will ask God to do this year? What what does that mean? It means, what are you going to ask God to do this year that is way beyond you? way beyond your own ability to accomplish. Like impossible. That's a great question. Thirdly, what's the single most important thing you could do to improve the quality of your family life this year? What's the single most important thing you could do to improve the quality of your family life this year? Fourthly, in which spiritual discipline do you most want to make progress this year And what will you do about it? So what's a spiritual discipline? Reading the scripture, prayer, fasting, silence and solitude, service, you know, whatever it may be. Maybe you've had an area in your life where you struggle with being consistent. Okay, well, identify what that is and then come up with your plan of action for how you're going to get better at that this year. Number five, what's the single biggest time waster in your life, and what will you do about it this year? How many of you say, that one's for me? 
right? What's the single biggest time waster in your life, and what will you do about it this year? Number six, what is the most helpful new way you could strengthen your church? What's the most helpful new way you could strengthen your church? I just want to, um, can, I, can I do a commercial? Here's a commercial for you. Somebody said no? Oh, well, I got the microphone. So, so here's the commercial. Um, one of the interesting things about this last year has been the fact that even though ministry demands in many ways have gone up, volunteers have gone down. So we have a lot of people that are staying, you know, they're staying away because of concerns with COVID. We have other people that have said, hey, take me off the list. And so we've lost many volunteers in children's ministry, many volunteers in youth ministry, on the worship team, in prayer ministry, just about ushers, just about any area of ministry in our church has experienced a huge drop-off in volunteer base. And at the same time, demands have gone up. So what does that mean? That means that staff and volunteers are carrying more weight than they ever have before. So here's something that I would appeal to you to do this year is, especially if you're not involved anywhere, not serving anywhere, it would be to pray and ask God how you can get involved in helping to serve at Grace Harvest Church and, and, and help to carry the weight and, and bless people's lives. It's for people, right? We want to be effective in ministering to people. And what's really concerning to me is we, we lose our effectiveness the less volunteers we have. We start to get to where we just, we're missing people. People are falling through the cracks and we're not doing a very good people job of caring for people because needs have gone up, but volunteer, uh, volunteers have gone down. Um, okay, for whose salvation, number seven, for whose salvation will you pray most fervently this year? Family member, friend, coworker, for whose salvation will you pray most fervently this year? Number eight, what's the most important way you will, by God's grace, try to make this year different from last year? So what's going to, you know, if if there's things about last year that you found in your own life that you didn't like too much, what are you going to do this year that's different? Number nine, what one thing could you do to improve your prayer life this year? What one thing could you do to improve your prayer life this year? And number 10, what single thing that you plan to do this year will matter most in 10 years or in eternity? What single thing that you plan to do this year will matter most in 10 years or in eternity? Amen? Shall we close in prayer? All right, let's close in prayer. Why don't you stand with me? Before I pray, I just want to say this to you that are out there, all of you, my family of God, brothers and sisters. I want to remind you of how beloved to the Lord that you are. I want to remind you that God loves you so much that he gave Jesus for you. I want to remind you that Jesus suffered your judgment for sin. Jesus suffered your death. And Jesus rose again from the dead so that you might know God. And he did it all because of love. And I want to remind you that he rose again from death. And he conquered death and he conquered sin so that you could be a part of his family. So he could gather you in and make you a part of his family. 
So before you leave here today, if you didn't know that or you've never embraced that, I just want to boldly proclaim to you, Jesus died for your sin, Jesus rose again to conquer it, and Jesus wants you to know God. He wants you to have a real relationship with the living God, not a religion, not a concept, not a philosophy, with the living God. He wants you to know Him. And it's possible for you to know Him. You know Him through His Son, Jesus. The Holy Spirit will move in your life and change you. So if any of you that are here today, you, you would like to talk to somebody more about that, or you'd just like to even have somebody pray with you, we're going to have some people back at the cross, and I don't know who's, oh, thank you, okay. So we're going to have some people back at the cross in the back corner, and they're going to be back there to meet with you, to pray with you, to talk with you. And I just want to encourage you to make your way back there before you leave here today, and somebody will pray with you and talk with you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the people in this room, your beloved. I thank you for the body of Christ, the church. And Lord, we thank you for this opportunity that you have put before us, this new year. We know it's a date on a calendar, but Lord, you know that we're people that mark times and seasons. And so Lord, in this new season that's ahead of us, in the days and the weeks and the months ahead, a lot of things are going to change. A lot of things are going to come down. A lot of things are going to turn. A lot of things are going to happen, and we're going to need wisdom. We're going to need direction. We're going to need discernment. We're going to need help. And more than anything, we're going to need to know how to keep you center, how to keep you first place, how to walk with you, love you, how to embrace you and be embraced by you, how to fall at your feet over and over and over again so that you might fill us. So Lord, I ask you to do that in us. I ask you to prepare us for whatever is coming in our own lives, in our nation, in the world. Thank you for it. Bless your people now, I pray. Smile on us with your face. Fill us with your grace and an awareness of who you are. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said together, amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you. The Lord be gracious to you and lift up his face upon you and give you peace. Go with God. He goes with you.